Todd. Todd Crandall, thank you for uh, the time this morning. How have you been doing? I'm doing great. It's an honor to talk to you. It's been a while. It's a good day right now. Sun shining. I'm sober, ready to help some people, and excited to talk to you. Nice, Todd. I think the last time I talked to you in person, or at least over the phone, it was about 20 years ago. I was doing a class project about uh, performance-enhancing drugs. It was for a class. And I remember talking to you about it because I, uh, I worked in radio at the time with Denny and you were on the show quite a bit. So I'm like, I'm going to ask Todd about this. And so it was one of those classes I took just about, you know, we had, I had to do like a persuasive speech and I chose why athletes should be able to use performance enhancing drugs just for fun. Ah. <laughs> and because like you, you gave me some examples of like how, because you played, do you have a background playing hockey? Is that correct? As well? I do. Yes, I do. Because he told me that like players would like suck down two cans of Coke at intermission. Uh, yeah, that yeah, I used to do that. Yeah, and so like, is that like a performance enhancing drug or not, or whatever? That's an old old subject, old fun topic. But I just I was thinking about like last time I talked to him, like that's what that's what we talked about. So are, are you're not you're not calling me old because it was twenty years ago, I, though, right? I'm calling myself old. Okay. I'm call- okay. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> I, you know, it's no, one of, that's great. when when you actually remember a memory, you're like, hey, that was. I think that. Well, the thing is, I was second guessing myself the whole time. Like, I think it was Todd I talked to. I think that's great. So, but you've been you just got back from Europe with another Ironman. Is that right? Is that right? Help me out with this. Yeah, I was just gonna say when I started thinking about twenty years and my my my, a lot has changed with racing for recovery and everything we're doing in the past 20 years. So yes, I just returned from doing my 30th Ironman in Nice, France. And then we went from Nice down to Madrid, Madrid, Spain and shot the third racing for recovery movie called pure euphoria. And that's going to be released sometime later this year, along with our third book called choices and consequences. So big year for racing for recovery and I'm just thankful that how how much our program has been helping people. That's awesome. Tell me, for what does Racing Recovery do for people if they haven't heard? Well, Racing for Recovery is a nonprofit that I started back in 2001, simply to prevent substance abuse in adolescents and then provide clinical, educational, uh, credentialed, and long-term established sobriety for everyone who has been affected by addiction. We are the first program ever that combines family members along with those who are battling not only drug and alcohol issues, but any form of self-destruction, whether it's food, gambling, sexual issues, cutting, what have you. We're the first program that combines support group meetings for everybody who's been affected by it. And over just over a year ago, we took that unique and cutting edge format and we put it into a live stream broadcast. It's free that anybody around the world can tune in on Thursday nights on our Facebook page and get free therapy, if you will, around the globe. Wow. And I am, I'm so proud of that. It's really been helping reach a bigger audience with our, our methods, our counseling modalities, and it, it's just great to be of service to other people who are hurting. That's incredible. What do you like when you talk about with addiction? Like, what do you, and what you've seen is like, what pushes people to the point where they need uh, recovery? 
What's what's some of the steps that you or the things that they why why do they get to where they're walking in your doors? You know, it, it's interesting, and I you know I don't want to get weird on anybody, but I I'm a firm believer that you know you can call him God, you can call him Buddha, you can call it anything you want, but I believe that something greater than myself and my mom, who chose to kill herself from drugs and alcohol when I was three and a half, Whoa. after I survived my 13 year drug addiction and got arrested for my third DUI, I thank God and my mom, Just I, I got a message that said, hey man, you don't have to do this anymore. So I stopped, and that was on April 15th of 1993, and I haven't touched anything since. So to answer your question directly, I believe myself, and I believe the 95% of the people that I am fortunate enough to encounter as a counselor now mm-hmm. are self-destructing because of some type of emotional trauma. Okay. You know, we encounter people that are coming from divorced families or sexual abuse or physical abuse. There, there's something that happens to people that then they develop a, a lack of self-worth and they're looking to feel better and they unfortunately try drugs and then you bring in a genetic predisposition um, environment and then you have problems. And that, that's where addiction, you know, comes to fruition, if you will. And then helping people with that, you have to deal with those emotional issues on a licensed professional clinical manner yeah. and then provide lifestyles that people enjoy doing. So being sober is not simply about, well, I'm not smoking crack anymore. Right. It's understanding why you were smoking crack and how are you living that brings you inner peace. So you, you're happy not smoking crack anymore. And that's what makes racing for recovery unique. Yeah. And with racing for recovery, you've done now your 30th Ironman. What got you doing the Ironmans? Is that part of the, like the lifestyle you're talking about to, you know, to get away from the drugs? No. And I, I want to make this uh, clear to the, the, the audience on your show. It's, I, I'm not saying you have to do the Ironman to be sober. I, I came from an athletic background. Um, I, I ruined what could have been a promising hockey career because of my choices to use drugs and alcohol. But exercise has always been a part of my life. And exercise is a part of the balanced, holistic lifestyle that Racing for Recovery um, endorses. I just personally found the Ironman. God, I used to watch it back when I was doing drugs. I used to watch Ironman Hawaii all the time, and I thought, man, I'd like to do that someday. And I'm fortunate enough I'm going to be doing that race for the third time in October. That's awesome. And it's a marketing tool for me to promote racing for recovery. I enjoy traveling the world. I enjoy taking my kids with me or members of racing for recovery. So, for me, Iron Man is a part of my recovery, but it's not something that obviously is required to be a part of racing for recovery. Oh, right. No, that's good. My brother ran Iron Man's, and he would tell me stories and stuff about the training. And I, I went to uh, the Louisville Iron Man with him a couple of years back, and the uh, the effort it goes into completing an Iron Man, especially a full one. He did a lot of halves and got really good at those. But, man, it's incredible what you put your body through to get through an Ironman. You know, it's um, what, what I respect and admire about people that are doing Ironman or if we can use Ironman as a metaphor for anything that somebody is accomplishing in sobriety, the, the term Ironman means I can achieve. Okay. And I 
aspect. I respect the the work that it takes to to complete one of those, to train for one of those. I respect and appreciate the support from family, friends, and community. Um, and that is applicable to anybody who is pursuing a higher level of education, employment, uh, volunteer service, whatever somebody dreams of doing, if you put the effort into it, you can achieve it. And it goes along with the Racing for Recovery slogan of with sobriety, anything is possible. Absolutely. When you, with the the addictions you're seeing, like what are the ones that you've seen more often now? Like I just I read articles more and more about like uh, the uh, prescription drug issues and things like that. Do you see that more and more in your practice? Um, we have seen, you know, everybody knows that there is a, you know, an opioid epidemic, um, you know, with the prescription drugs that then led to heroin usage and, and so forth. We're seeing a decline in that. And now, you know, the amphetamines are coming back into play. We're seeing a lot of crystal meth, uh, cocaine, um, you know, things of that nature. It, drug addiction is cyclical. Okay. It's the latest and greatest thing that's out there. Um, but yes, the prescription drug thing with people who necessarily never had an emotional issue at all, you know, had a medical procedure, got prescribed opioids, got hooked on them, then was, you know, were removed from that prescription and led to using street drugs. So there's a lot of factors that come into people using drugs. Um, and we see all kinds of it. I mean, we're in the trenches of this stuff every day. And, um, yeah, we're just here to help, you know? Yeah. With curious then too, is like, cause I'm out here in Denver. What are your thoughts then on like where it's like, they call it legalized marijuana or just decriminalized marijuana, things like that. How does that impact? Like, do you see an impact from, you know, practices like that or laws like that in, in your field? Um, are you asking like if I'm in favor of the legalization of some of these things? Yeah, or at least what are your thoughts on it? Like, I, I mean, in favor, it's a there's there's always it's a huge multivariable question. So it's like in favor versus, like, what are your thoughts on it? What would you what would you say if, about like the legalization of marijuana and even now like magic mushrooms here in Denver? Well, I'm going to say this. You know, we'll hear things like, well, you know pot does this and pot can do that. And it's like, okay, but pot can also cause a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. So it's 2019. We have very intelligent medical professionals that are out there. I would like to see a more holistic approach to helping people deal with anxiety, depression, you know, such as a plant-based diet, exercise, water, instead of energy drinks, you know, yoga, meditation, prayer, you know, natural ways of doing things can have a profound impact. And I know the next response will be, well, pot's a natural plant. Well, there's a yes, lot of natural all, things that aren't good for you. though. It, right, exactly. So I, I'd like to see less justification of something that could help a little bit, but also hurt you and more endorsement of things that 100% help you and don't hurt you. Because Look, this may sound crazy, but cocaine can help you lose weight, you know, but I'm not going to say, hey, if you want to lose weight, snort a bunch of cocaine. That's, that's funny how that you think And it about comes it, from a plant too, right? right? So that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Right. No, good point. When you guys, when you talk about holistic approach, like 
uh, help me out with that. Like you, you said, like the mind, uh, prayer, meditation. I, I don't know if you said meditation. Maybe I heard that in my head. Yeah, no, you heard it. I, I'm a big advocate of just living, living naturally. I, you know, I, um, I became a, a plant-based uh, nutrition guy uh, over three years ago. I'm okay. 52 years old, and that change at 49 years old enhanced my life tremendously, physically, emotionally, spiritually, if you will. It brought out more compassion, more empathy, more humility, more gratitude. And I already had an abundance of those. I feel my my energy level has gone up. My physical abilities have improved. I haven't been sick in years. I mean, it, it, and that just comes from eating plants. Uh, um, when you yeah, say eating plant, yeah. like are you like then like a hundred percent? Like what? Help me out because some people then qualify like eggs or fish or things like that. Are you a hundred percent plant? I'm 100% plant. If it has parents or eyes, I don't eat it. Wow. And and you can, and, was that a, it sounds like a health reason or a moral issue? Like what got you to that decision? Uh, there's three reasons why I live this way. One, I, I don't, I don't believe in torturing and murdering millions of animals every day for, I, I just don't believe in that. Okay. I, I don't like what the meat and dairy industry is doing to our environment. Okay. I mean, it's, uh, and these things are um, subjects that I know are very sensitive to people, but I have done my best to get educated on all this stuff. I'm not saying I'm an expert. There are plenty of more people who are more versed in this than I am. But I think of the fact that it takes 600 gallons of water to make one hamburger. Um, the, the fact that if we all went to a plant-based diet, we could end world hunger. The fact that every second we're losing 100 yards of the rainforest that will not come back. These are things that are affecting our world, and I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of innocent living things that are being beaten and murdered every day for a bacon sandwich and the health benefits of it. Um, Plant-based diets are shown to you know, prevent cancer, to prevent diabetes, to prevent heart disease, all the big killers in society on a a, uh, health level can be prevented or reversed by diet and exercise. And I think that's important for everybody to understand that they have the power to heal thyself through um, a holistic lifestyle. Do you find it difficult like just in, do you have to like, what's your day look like prepping for that is I guess the question like, where's like, is it hard to find foods or places that, would meet your your dietary needs or structure? Well, I'll, I'll give you what I've done today so far. I woke up at 4 o'clock. I, I did well, some you, yoga. And let's I, wait, let's be honest. When you woke up at 4 o'clock, that's because you're still on a European time schedule, right? <laughs> no. I'm, actually, I got up this past week. I've been getting up at 1.30 from the European thing. But I'm usually up at 4, 4.30 every day. I get my pet pig up. Um, his name is Milo. We've had him for about three years. He's awesome. <laughs> you said a pet pig? So I, I, yeah, we got a pet pig. <laughs> okay. Um, I hang out with him. I do some yoga. I've had a, a shake that consists of vegan protein powder, spinach, uh, berries, and, um, oh, God, kale. I ran five miles, I did some weightlifting stuff, and now I'm doing this interview with you. So that's been the start of my day. So 
the, the meal prep or what it takes to eat a plant-based diet is not difficult. It's basically going into the grocery store and staying on the perimeter. Yeah. Um, don't buy anything in the middle. Walk out with plants and vegetables, and you're going to be good to go. Yeah. Do you find it then, like, what about when you're out and about? Because like, you travel quite a bit then as well, too. To, is it just then you're basically looking at the salad menus on the side on the menu? No, it's getting easier. Um, a lot of restaurants are now starting to, you know, uh, I don't like using the word cater. A lot of restaurants are starting to realize there's a giant customer base of people who are health conscious and care about our environment and don't want to be a part of murdering innocent animals every day. So they're, they're finding more options for people, um, plant-based, you know, hamburgers, uh, plant-based everything, everything that people want to normally eat that is full of just absolute garbage. You can now get on a plant-based level. Uh, the world is changing with that regard. And it's good to see, even when I was in France and in Spain, I, I still ate, um, one of the questions I get all the time is, where do you get your protein from? And my answer is the same place an animal does, a plant. Huh. You know? That's true. There's a lot I mean, of ways just, to get protein out there. It's probably one of the bigger misnomers on that, for sure. Oh, completely. They're, it's so funny. I've, I've seen interviews with doctors, and they'll say, I have never had a patient who was protein deficient. It's such an oxymoron, you know. Um, but people are just... People aren't educated in this. We've been, we've been sold a lot of nonsense from the meat and dairy industry about how, you know, milk does a body good. Well, milk decalcifies bones. It's, um, it's not good for us. And when people start learning about this and then when they start eating plants for a while and start realizing the benefits of it, it's mind-blowing. And that's exactly what happened to me. I learned about this. I made some changes, and it was the best thing I ever did after becoming sober for sure. Incredible. So you went from sober from not doing, not doing drugs and now you're going sober from uh, not eating meat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. I've had uh, two sobriety dates, if you will. Uh, yeah. Uh, see the meat one, I think it'd be tougher for me than any drug outside of coffee. I don't do drugs. I've never, like I'm one of those where I just trusted a, it's that decision. You're going, uh, like you, like I've had friends that, uh, you talk about like, like with the opioids when they get prescribed those after or like a, a procedure, they're very hesitant to even take them because they know what road that can lead them down. Because they'd rather deal with the pain than deal with the potential addiction. Well, it's okay. So let's use um, uh, let's use plants um, with respect to this this subject here, okay. right? So yeah, yeah. I I would much rather eat health healthy and avoid being in the hospital for diabetes, heart disease, you know, cancer, what have you. Yeah. So it's more about preventative maintenance. Plus, and I don't want to offend anybody about this. Um, oh, don't worry if, about it. If, well, if slaughterhouses had glass houses, no one would eat meat again. I, I believe people are compassionate people. I believe people are caring people. And when people understand what is done to that innocent animal to put that steak on a plate, I I just don't see how people would could cognizantly make that choice. What about now? What, if you want to take a if you want to take a knife out in the field and do your thing, 
I can somewhat respect that, but I, I just, I, I can't, I don't want to be a part of that. Okay. You know? yeah. That's going to be my question. Like what about like the avid hunter who uses the majority of the animal that they kill? I, I will give them that, you know, I, I don't agree with it, but I can respect the logic behind that, you know, um, and that's as far as I guess I want to say it on that. Yeah, no, that's I, fair. Take, I'll take it this way. I'll, I'll give them that, that they're, they're doing their thing and they're using it to the best of their ability. I, I don't know if I can say I respect that, but I won't argue that. The only thing I'd like to point out is it's not healthy for the body. Okay, you would argue that's just the overall it. health aspect more than like say maybe more of the moral issue on that point. Correct, because I'm not here to judge anybody or criticize anybody. I'm just here, you know, I've been doing racing for recovery, and this is another quick thing I want to say. I'm not saying racing for recovery is um, against anything. These are my personal views you're asking me about. Oh, yeah, no. But, yeah, and I, I just will say that once people start learning more about what putting that stuff in your body does, it just brings a new perspective to it. So again, I, I went to plants because of the, the, the environment, my health, and I don't believe in uh, hurting the innocent animal. Just my opinion. Nothing wrong with that. Earlier you mentioned uh, like a higher power, a God or a Buddha or anything, you know, something bigger than ourselves. How much does that impact someone's uh, recovery when they're battling addiction or changing a lifestyle? You know, this is another thing that I remember when I used to hit uh, traditional support group meetings and they hammered God down everybody's throat. And I thought, you know, I, I'm not against God or I wasn't at that time. I just thought, you know, when you try and force somebody to buy into something that usually it doesn't work. And I've encountered a lot of people who, if they're encouraged to, just have an open mind towards anything that can help them get better, you get a more of a receptive response to that. So for me, I've just always been open-minded to anything that could help me. Mm -hmm. Some things I've tried and have really enhanced my life. Some other things I've tried uh, didn't, and didn't benefit me the, maybe the way I thought it would, mm -hmm. but at least I tried it. So with respect to, God and religion and spirituality, racing for recovery has the approach of, hey, do whatever you want. You want to call it God, fine. If you say you're a religious person, that's cool. If you're a spiritual person, that's okay. If you believe in Buddhism and that helps you, okay, that's all right as well. We don't, we let people decide what they want to do with respect to religion, what form of exercise they want to do, uh, what type of education they want to get where they want to work, what their social environment looks like. It's, we just, we want people to be happy in sobriety doing what they choose to do. That's what makes racing for recovery special. Nice. As for Todd Crandall, then what do you, what do you believe in? If you don't mind me asking, I'm a hit at parties cause I like talking about religion and politics. No, and politics. Do, do I, do I believe in God? Of course. Do I think that God gives us the power of choice and free will 100%. Um, I'll, go, I'll go back to God with the, um, the Ten Commandments. Thou mm -hmm. shall not kill. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't like people killing people. I don't like people killing animals. Mm -hmm. I, I just try and live 
a, a right way. And you can, I call that coming from God. Um, I guess that's the best way to, to say it. I'm thankful for God, you know, giving me life. I'm thankful for God. Uh, well, I'll say it this way. I'm thankful for my mom having a drug and alcohol addiction mm-hmm. um, because it, and I'm even thankful for her committing suicide. I know that may sound strange, but because of her addiction and her death, it enabled me to survive my own demise. And I think it's made me a better person and it's put me in a position of service to other people. And I think that's God's purpose for all of us is to find life's purpose and, and help other people. And I'm, I'm proud to say I'm doing that. That's great. When you, um, What's one of the, fir- the big hurdles to get someone to walk in your, the doors of racing recovery if they need help? What's, what's the, like, the f- number one, a couple objections people may have of going, I don't need that. Why? But they kind of, they really do. What do, you, what do you see as the objections for them walking in the door? The biggest hindrance to people asking for help is they don't think they're worthy of receiving help. And I call that low self-esteem. And low self-esteem is the catalyst to self-destructive behaviors and beginning to have self-esteem is the foundation of all things awesome. Uh, People are hurting individuals on an emotional level that don't find any value. They don't think they're worth anybody else's time to help them. And that is the biggest obstacle that we encounter. And I want to say this to anybody who's listening to this, that Racing for Recovery doesn't discriminate against any race, religion, sexual orientation, financial levels. We don't care. If you need help, we are here for you. You deserve it. You can achieve sobriety for the rest of your life, and that's how we roll. How could someone and get a hold of Racing for Recovery if they needed to? Our website, racingforrecovery.com, our Facebook page. You know, I'm on LinkedIn. We have an Instagram account. Like I said, that live stream meeting is available to Everybody around the world, Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, you can tune into the Facebook page and then get involved in a live chat while the meeting's going on, and you can ask questions. You can meet other like-minded people. It's fantastic. There's a couple thousand people that watch it every Monday and Thursday night. That's and, awesome. Um, this is, this is, it's a different approach to attaining and sustaining sobriety. Very cool. I got another question here for you. I actually ran into um... – well, I ride my I ride bikes around here. You you'd crush me out here. I'm I joke around. I'm the fat guy on skinny tires. Um, but, <laughs> but um, if you ever come out to Denver, though, let me know. I'll, I'll show you some cool places to ride. Um, I dude, I was just in, I did Ironman Boulder last summer. Oh yeah, yeah. I wish we would have done this last year. I definitely would have hooked up with you. Right. What uh? So how'd the altitude affect you out here with all your training and then coming out to Boulder? I didn't notice it one bit. Real, uh, I, yeah, it didn't bother me at all. The um, the lack of training was, was more of a problem <laughs> than the actual altitude, that's for sure. It was beautiful out there. Oh, it's great. We took, out there. Uh, we took, I think, like 10 people from Racing for Recovery and, you know, had a house out there for a week and just all bonded together. And, you know, like I said, I'm fortunate enough to do these crazy Ironmans, but it's the support of other people that have enabled me to do what I do. Oh, that's awesome. One of the questions that I had for you, especially with on the racing, on the recovery side, more, less than on the racing side, I guess, but uh, is the, like I, I ran into a homeless guy. I was actually just getting out of my car. I was all ready to clip in, ready to go. 
and and had a 20 minute conversation with the guy and he admitted he is a drug addict he's homeless and and there's like and it's one of those where you go how do you help those guys out where it's like you said you don't there's no economic you don't there's no financial burden you try to put on people coming into racing for recovery but with people like is there like the stereotypical homeless group where you go do they want help are they trying to get help do you see what are your thoughts on that world of it i don't know how to ask the question just right I'll tell you this much. When I, I remember I was running in Arizona a couple of years, a few years ago, well, over a decade ago. God, I am getting old. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, if I, if I can be as active as you are in about, you know, 10, 12 years, I would be ecstatic. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm running, uh, this was a couple of days before the, the Ironman. I was running early in the morning and, um, I, I saw a group of homeless guys, you know, and I, I stopped and I just talked to them, you know, like, Hey guys, what's happening? You know? And they were saying, Oh, you're out running in the morning. And I said, you know, I used to be where you're at. You know, I, I used to do that. I was homeless living in my car out in Florida. And I said, uh, it's a much better, much better lifestyle doing what I'm doing here right now. And I just said, you know, I hope you guys have a great day and, and went off on my business. And when I see homeless people, I, I talk to them. A lot of times I'll give them a flyer on racing for recovery or give them a couple of bucks or whatever, because I just want them to feel that someone else acknowledged their existence. You know, that's compassion. That's empathy. Um, I, I empathize with people who are in that circumstance. And all I've ever tried to be in my recovery is an example of what you can do when you're not self-destructing. That's it. You know, I don't, I never judge somebody who's less fortunate because I've been there. Um, I, I care for people of all levels of economics or any of that stuff. Um, I'm cognizant of where they're at. And I, I think just saying hello to somebody can, it can, maybe it can save their life that day. You know, I've noticed when I've encountered people in that type of circumstance, just acknowledging them and putting a smile on somebody's face, you know, you wonder really what a couple of words can do for somebody, you know, and I take that very seriously. It's amazing you say it. I have one of my friends, Tyler, who actually, he, uh, he teaches at the school I coach at, and yeah, I've ridden bikes with him. He says the similar thing where it's like, it's because the first time I rode with him, he said hi to everybody. We were, yep. And you're just like, I was like, how do you, why do you do that? He goes, and I'm, pro- I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but he just goes, you never know. That might be the nicest thing they've heard all day to themselves or to hurt. And that may change the trajectory of where they're going today. That your, your buddy is spot on, you know, and I, people are people, you know, it is, uh, you know, I've, I've been counseling people since what, 2008. And I remember one day, in my office, I had a multimillionaire in my office who was battling alcohol issues. And, you know, my next client that day was basically telling the same story who couldn't put two nickels together sitting in the same chair. Wow. You know, and that really reminded me of, you know, life is not about money and things. It's about kindness, compassion, and service to others and utilizing what we've been graciously given and helping somebody else get a taste of what we're fortunate enough to have. And I think I'm grateful that I was uh, able to 
have that mindset early on in my recovery. Being involved in racing for recovery has enhanced that. I don't work. I don't consider what I do as a job. I consider it a privilege. I'm honored to do what I do. And I love being around people and watching them get better. That's incredible. Todd, I appreciate the time. Is there anything else you want to say before we, we part ways here? No, man. It's it's great to connect with you. It's the power of social media. Isn't it? You know, Isn't it? Other than, hey, look at the sandwich I made, made and then stay tuned. <laughs> I'm going to post that I ate it. You know what I'm saying? It was right. actually something productive, and I appreciate you covering uh, Racing for Recovery. And if anybody's out there listening to this and you need some help, give us a call. Absolutely. We'll put your link in the information in the description so people hopefully have easier access to that, too. And uh, we'll get this posted here in the next few moments. Okay, buddy. Thanks a lot, my friend. Hey, thanks, Todd. Stay in touch. If you ever come back out to Colorado, please let me know. I will, brother. Take it easy. All right. Thanks, Todd. See ya. Bye.